This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Today, showers in the afternoon, high near 45. Tonight, showers low around 35. Friday will be mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and a high near 47. The investigation into a possible arson fire continued as demolition crews removed what remained of a heavily damaged downtown Binghamton building. The blaze in the three-story wood frame structure at 122 Henry Street was reported just before 7.15 a.m. on Wednesday. One Binghamton firefighter sustained a minor injury when he slipped on ice at the scene. He was taken to a hospital for treatment. Firefighters were unable to conduct a complete building search, but they said it appeared anyone who had been inside the structure when the fire erupted managed to get out. The fire was declared under control around 9 a.m. Firefighters remained on the scene to continue pouring water on hot spots. Although the apartment house was vacant, officials said people often stayed in the building. Firefighters have been called to the property at least twice in recent weeks to extinguish small fires that apparently had been set by people trying to keep warm. Mayor Jared Cram said the city had been in the process of acquiring the Henry Street property as part of a settlement announced in December with Isaac Anzarut. Cram said because of the fire-damaged structure was in imminent danger of collapse, Gora Construction was called in to demolish what was left of the building. Binghamton Police Chief Detective Corey Miner said the investigation into the incident is continuing. Donald Trump could be at risk of losing some of his prized properties if he can't pay his staggering New York civil fraud penalty. With interest, he owes the state nearly $454 million, and the amount is going up by $87,502 each day until he pays. New York Attorney General Letitia James told ABC News on Tuesday that she will seek to seize some of the former president's assets if he's unable to cover the bill from Judge Arthur Engeron's February 16th ruling in her lawsuit against Trump, his company, and top executives. The United Way of Broome County, along with 211 Susquehanna River Region Contact Center and the Broome County DSS, are offering free tax preparation services this year to area residents through the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, which is approved by the Internal Revenue Service. This service for qualified persons, according to the United Way of Broome County, offers free basic income tax preparation with electronic filing. In 2023, more than 650 households took advantage of the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, the United Way of Broome County noted that $1,149,109 in tax refunds were processed last year, along with an additional estimated savings of over $182,700 in tax prep costs to participants based on IRS estimates. To qualify, a total household income must be less than $64,000, and the individual must work and live in New York State, 
hold no rental property income, and must have no other state income outside of the state. Appointments are now being taken through April 11th. Pennsylvania's highest court is ruling that Republican state lawmakers can no longer try to enforce a subpoena for election records that they issued in 2021. The request had been inspired by former President Donald Trump's baseless claims of fraud in the 2020 presidential election, but the court said Wednesday that the subpoena became unenforceable when the state's legislature two-year session ended in 2022. It dismissed three appeals and vacated a lower court order that said the Senate could enforce its subpoena. The ruling is effectively a victory for the state attorney general's office, state Democrats, and several voter groups who had gone to court to try to block the subpoena. Two Pennsylvania brothers sentenced to life in the slangs of their parents and younger brother almost three decades ago have been resentenced to terms that may offer them a chance at parole. A Lehigh County judge in Pennsylvania on Wednesday sentenced 46-year-old Brian Freeman and 45-year-old David Freeman to terms of 60 years to life. The Allentown, Pennsylvania Morning Call reported that Brian Freeman wept as he expressed remorse and took responsibility for what he called a terrible crime. Authorities said the brothers were affiliated with a white supremacist skinhead movement at the time of the February 1995 killings of Dennis and Brenda Freeman and 11-year-old Eric Freeman. Each was convicted of murder. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, this is Binghamton Now for Thursday, February 22nd. 607-772-1290, that is the Binghamton Now hotline. Mr. Speaker, call in. No better yet, Mr. Speaker, stop in and take calls from your constituents. Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Speaker of the House. Stopped in. I think there's a better chance of Nancy Pelosi stopping in than the current Speaker of the House. But wouldn't it be funny if the Speaker of the House... Oh, hi, Bob. I was just driving down Court Street, and somebody pointed out the beautiful Binghamton Now Tower, and I heard you say, Mr. Speaker, come on in. I thought, well, I don't have anything going on until noon, and uh, I would love nothing better than to take phone calls from WNBF listeners because they are my core constituency. As Aerosmith once told me, dream on. Dream on, Mr. Delusional, the Speaker of the House. At any rate, the Speaker of the House is welcome. Former Speaker Nancy Pelosi also welcome to appear. I will say, if they both happen to show up here at the 
beautiful Binghamton Now Tower in the heart of the Parlor City, uh, they will appear in the order that they showed up here at the studio. So, if Pelosi's first, she'll be on. If the current speaker is first, he'll he'll be on. Otherwise, I mean, they could be if they reach an agreement. They could be on the program together. Wouldn't that be funny? Mr. Speaker, what ice cream do you like? Well, I like FroJoy. And if I can't find FroJoy, I like River Valley. Ms. Pelosi? Well, I like Ben and Jerry's. But preferably, even more expensive ice cream that would cost at least $50 a pint. But what about your husband? He likes even more expensive ice creams. All right, enough of that wackiness. Let's hit the phones at 912. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Uh, John from Binghamton. I'm talking to you on a combination shortwave single side band Heathkit radio. <laughs> Heathkit. Ah, uh, I love Heathkit. Yeah. But uh, most of all, we know Kate Bush loved whatever Heathcliff. Anyway. That's yeah. not why you called. Uh, what's on your mind? What's on well, your mind? Are are you having a top level meeting with the Speaker of the House? I don't know. I was. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but I was supposed to go on a radio program early this morning, and not not around here. And uh, the guy that was running the show was uh, a little uh, befuddled. I don't know if somebody got to him or what, but anyway, it was it was sort of canceled at the last minute. Uh, the uh, what I'm concerned about is the political structure here in Broome County. As it relate not as it relates to liberalism and conservatism or Trump versus Biden. Uh, we got a big, big problem. We got a uniparty here, and I think it was best. Uh, 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 the most recent example, anyway, was this press conference with Fred Akshar in full uniform. Sammy Davis, the assistant uh, sheriff in full uniform, Jason Garner uh, at this tiny homes project. I mean, the sheriff must not have a lot to do uh, and, uh, with uh, Mark Molinaro, no less. So we're seeing this increasing uh, appearance level with Lepardo and Garner, uh, with Akshar, Batisti, uh, Molinaro which tells me that the Democrats better get off their rear end and primary Jason Garner. Uh, he betrayed them in the uh, redistricting. Uh, he went along with Dan Reynolds' gerrymandering. And this is what they've done here. They've got a detente going uh, among the uh, incumbent political uh Office holders. It, it began with Lepardo and Libis, where right. Lepardo this has been said, going on for decades. This is this is hardly anything new. Well, I mean, if you look, if you look at the famous political spats in Broome County, I, I, I'd cite one example: Al Libis and Ed Crawford were they ran against each other for Congress, but they were always going right. at each other. Well, those were good times, and not. Yeah. And I'm not judging. You know, I and it was so long ago, but I like both. I liked Al Libis and I like Ed Crawford, 
And yes, but I, as I recall, and I don't recall a whole lot, but as I recall, the even though they were frequently at opposite ends or frequently opposed each other, I don't think it actually adversely affected the Republican Party. I, my perception, again, I was a lot younger then and maybe totally naive. My perception was that it actually made the GOP in Broome County healthier because you had, yeah. I think, two fairly well-respected office holders, uh, Al Libis as Binghamton Mayor, Ed Crawford as Broome County Executive, and yes, yeah, sometimes they would challenge each other, you know. But there were, I didn't see anything wrong with that. But times have certainly changed. Yeah. So I'm I'm very troubled by this because uh, it, uh, you know, and and let me just say this on the tiny homes project. I said at the county legislature, why wouldn't you just go to tunnel tunnels to towers to do this project if that's what you want to do? But here's the problem with the the tiny homes for veterans. Uh, the whole purpose of tiny homes is to allow someone to build equity in, uh, uh, instead of allowing them their rent to burn. Now, these veterans have GI bill, have GI benefits. Uh, they can get a mortgage. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't sell uh, if you wanted to build tiny homes, I, I don't know why you wouldn't sell them and give the veterans a title rather than have it keeping them down on the farm uh, with uh, on county property with uh, with a nonprofit management company. I mean, to me, that makes no sense that 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 perverts the whole purpose of the tiny homes. You know, it's it's going to be yours someday. So I, I, I think this was uh, 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 not well thought out. It was another slap-up job, and I, I don't think it's going to look good. I don't think it's going to uh, 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 turn out to be good. And uh, uh, I just wonder why, I mean, the sheriff is all around on anything. You know, a pin can't drop. Uh, uh, Paul Battisti would join him when he's not on vacation. So... I, I think we, we better clarify. It would behoove me to clarify this Molinaro-Garnar relationship in light of the fact that Josh Riley's in downtown Binghamton today. Is, uh, is uh, Garner going to be with him today uh, as, uh, he, as he was with Molinaro yesterday? I mean, it doesn't bode well for Mal- Molinaro either. I mean, uh, uh, where, where does he stand for crying Is Josh out? Riley planning to meet with Mike Johnson? Uh, no, he's going to be at the at the diner there, and, uh, you know, on the same street you are this morning at ten o'clock. All right, but but be interesting well, that, to see. By it. the way, that's another interesting thing. Josh Riley, I doubt he listens to the program. He's been on the program before by phone. He's never been in the studio. You know, the interesting thing is, I know Josh Riley has told me, and I don't doubt it. I know he did grow up in West Endicott. And the interesting thing is that the last time he was in West Endicott, he didn't tell me. Apparently, he alerted the media, but he didn't tell me he was going to be in West Endicott back, you know, visiting his roots. And so imagine my surprise when I turned on every newscast in the market at 6 and saw Josh Riley in West Endicott. And I'm thinking, isn't it interesting? I once lived in West Endicott. I am 
I am a West Endicotter. And Josh Riley neglected, or his people, probably his people, neglected to let me know he's going to be in West Endicott. Now you tell me that Josh Riley is going to be probably just barely a block from the Binghamton Now Tower this morning, and he's not going to stop in here. You, you I mean, want he's me to go down and fetch him? Would you? Yeah. Well, ask him, not. because, and you know, I I think it's just been a matter of logistics. Tell him, if you will. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't, you know, I should just call him, but, but, you know, and again, maybe he's listening, and maybe somehow it's been an oversight, but isn't it interesting? Mark Molinaro has been in this studio. I've lost track. I mean, I won't say ten times, but I would say he's been here in the studio at least half a dozen times, not just as a member of Congress or running for Congress, but even in, you know, past New York political uh, ambitions. So, yes, if you happen to be able to convey a message to Josh Riley, ask him if he would stop into the, the Binghamton Now studio because I'd like to show him around. We've done... Magnificent things with this place. Okay, I'll rustle them up. Okay, yeah. And again, let them know that the program ends at noon, so it's best for him not to show up at 11.56 because then it's too late. But if he shows up by 11.30, I'll uh, I'll show him around because, hey, he's been on the program before by phone. We've always had great phone conversations. I, I don't, believe it or not, John, I don't believe I've ever met Josh Riley ever anywhere off well, the air. I, I have, mean, I've you have I've seen well, pictures yeah, of him. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He's very careful on what he says. Well, but, look. but here's this it, now, John from Binghamton. Everybody, this is general guidance, by the way, for people who don't already know. If you encounter John from Binghamton, always be very careful. Whether you're an elected official, a candidate, a business person. Uh, Involved with a charitable organization, or you don't typically confront plain citizens, so Joe Sixpack probably doesn't have to worry about it. But say, if you're a person in the public eye, if you've put yourself in the public eye, I should point that out frequently. I think sometimes people think, well, I can be in the public eye, but I can still maintain a totally private existence and I have to say in this day and age I, I don't know how you thread that needle hey you know what the hot issue in Rochester is now oh no what? there's a guy guy he's in the media he's, he's going around photographing the uh, cars that the heads of the nonprofit. <laughs> I wonder where he got that idea John yeah I know uh, oh I did hear about that actually yeah. and I yeah. one of our listeners uh, mistakenly sent uh, she meant to send the Buffalo News column to yeah. him, that yeah. Bob, and she accidentally yeah. also sent it to me, and she was apologetic. And I said, don't apologize. That was a very interesting article uh, yeah. from the Buffalo News, and I haven't referenced it on, on the program yet, but if if I have time today or tomorrow, I'll mention it because the I believe the person who wrote the column is the education reporter for the Buffalo News, and she made some interesting points about how the people who are uh, leading our finest, finest nonprofits in New York State now essentially are escaping any kind of accountability or any kind of public scrutiny. Well, 
the picture that I want to get is when one of the impoverished clients of these agencies is forced to detail uh, the CEO's car. Oh, 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 Johnny, you wouldn't. You, you know, be sure you get those vents with the Q-tip, please. <laughs> you wouldn't. But you would. You would because as Dan Rather used to portray himself, he, he always described himself as an honest broker of information. Okay, well, I got to get with Operation String Bean right now. <laughs> Thanks. It's 923. I don't know. Am I foolish? Shall I just dream on? Mike Johnson, where are you? Josh Riley, where are you? Mark Molinaro. See, there's right now... In Vegas, the latest line is, who is most likely to show up between now and noon at the beautiful Binghamton Now studio? The three choices that probably professional gamblers will be wagering on over the next hour, the three key choices. Who is most likely to show up for a live conversation at the Binghamton Now studio on this Thursday morning? Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House. Congressman. Mark Molinero, or Democratic candidate for Congress, Josh Riley. I think you know what the odds are. The, the odds, I believe, suggest that it's far, far more likely Mark Molinero is going to show up here than maybe Mike Johnson, than maybe Josh Riley. Would it be funny, though, if all three show up simultaneously? Yes, that would be funny. It's 924 you're listening to WNBF Live. Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. This live segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. Excellent. It's Thursday. It's not sunny, but it's kind of going to it's going to be a little mild, right? Well, yeah. It's supposed to get up to 62. Oh, you're full of it. Well, I didn't say in Binghamton. <laughs> All right. Somewhere in North Carolina today, it'll get up to 62. So in Binghamton, yeah. if that's what you're concerned about, Binghamton will be 44. That's not bad either. No, for February 22nd. By the way. What? This is a public service announcement. Hmm. Have you ever tra traveled on Route 17? Mm-hmm. They call Absolutely. it Absolutely. Yesterday Expressway. I did. So they have an exit. It's not my favorite exit. In fact, I think it's one of the most dangerous exits that the DOT now operates. Exit 71. Exit 71 in Johnson City. Hmm. Have you heard of that? They used to have, that's where the 
when people used to go on tours of the newspaper printing plant. That's the exit they would take if they were on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So say you're on 17 eastbound and you're going too fast, which mm-hmm. means probably 90% of the people. And sure. then, then you decide, oh, there's exit 71. There's where the newspaper printing plant used to be. I want that exit. Now, if you're driving a passenger car, you can probably, even if you're going too fast, you could probably maintain control of, of your vehicle. However, if you're driving a giant, smelly truck with tons of trash and you get into the exit going too fast, inevitably your load is going to dump. And that's what has happened. It's, it's, a, it's a shocking Disturbing site, and I was mm-hmm. I was just over there to, to document. I was going to say you must have experienced something over there. Just, just oh. the good like news! It. The good news is it's too cold for rats. Mm-hmm. Or no, or oh, no, it's not. No, now what I think is the rats that were part of the trash load from who knows where, obviously not from around here. The rats that were part of the trash load after it all dumped at exit seventy one. Off 17 eastbound, I think the rats all scurried, and now they're hanging out, probably smoking luckies, over at the the old newspaper printing plant because at least it's warm because they keep the the heat on in there. So I bet that's where mm-hmm. all the rats scampered to, probably at least two or three hundred. Well, that's a really mm-hmm. ideal idyllic visual. Thank you. And by yeah. the way, I mean the the public service announcement part mm-hmm. of this is Route 17. Uh, east exit seventy one is closed for well while people clean up someone else's trash. I was yeah. talking I was talking to uh, I don't know if they're husband and wife but they're part of a team and they've been there before and I said this is like deja vu all over again and they both said yep yep we've seen this happen before so yes if uh, if you drive by Route seventeen eastbound and want to know why exit seventy one's closed it's because you're busy cleaning up someone else's garbage. Good to know. Yeah. There's your public service announcement. Now, for well, the regularly scheduled feature part of our program. Jeez, it's going to be hard to top that, but I'll, be I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a go. I trust you'll, yeah. you'll do your best. <laughs> I, I do. I try, I try to do my best. So what we're going to talk about, Bob, is a healthier you and some tidbits on how to be healthier because that's really important when we're living a good life or living a tough life, okay? One of the things, and some of these things I thought were very interesting, all different types of surveys that were done. This one was a study of 50 adults, um, and the researchers were from Harvard Medical School. And what they wanted to know was what is the ideal sleeping temperature? So adults that are age 65 wore sleep monitors that measured their sleep duration, their efficiency, you know, any kind of restlessness, their best quality of sleep. And that was when the room temperature was between 68 and 77 degrees. And what they determined was the real sweet spot was between 70 and 74 degrees to sleep, which I thought was quite extraordinary because that's pretty warm. The other thing 
<clears throat> grapes. We were talking about grapes, and this was done by um, a University of Singapore. And what they found was that they're really good for aging eyes. Maybe some people know that. I think most people know that carrots are good for your eyes. But in a 16-week study, they said people who consume, Bob, the equivalent of one and a half cups of grapes per day had improvements in several indicators of eye health. And that's a big deal because one of the most disturbing and um, very common conditions as we age, number one are cataracts, number two could be glaucoma, and number three, macular degeneration. So anything we can do on a regular daily basis that doesn't involve medication that can help us to, you know, benefit our eye health is very, very important as we age. Now, what about carbs? And, you know, the thing about carbs that people say, oh, I can't eat any bread, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, yes, you can. Your brain and your body both crave carbs. And carbs are actually the preferred food of us exercising muscles. And, you know, of course, you don't want to have carbs that, we're not talking about candy. You know, we're talking about good carbs. And, I mean, but people can have candy once in a while. But, you know, when people, runners, they always, not always, but quite frequently will have a big pasta dinner before they do a long marathon race. And what about daily exercise? How often, how long do we need to exercise and maintain, you know, good quality, um, good quality health? 22 minutes is the magic number, which I think is pretty low. So that's really good. And this is for, again, people that are 65 and older. And this was a 6 to 13 year study. And what they said was, you know, people that were sedentary, Bob, for 12 hours a day had a 38% higher risk for death than those that were eight hours a day unless they did the 22 minutes or more of daily moderate to vigorous activity. So that's something most people can do. 22 minutes a day is not a long period of time. How about your mental health? And what they determine is crying is good for you. It releases the hormone prolactin which has a calming effect and helps manage the stress responses. And most people know that if you don't hold those tears inside, then quite often afterwards it feels like a cleansing process and it's determined that it's very good for you. And this I thought was interesting and it's phone etiquette. So it's kind of like a, a different, a different source and it's, you need to text before calling, okay? Unless you're calling, this is the phone etiquette, very, very personal. Unless you're calling friends or family about an emergency, you need to find out the availability of the person you want to speak with via text before placing a call. And also the etiquette, <clears throat> the etiquette police say go easy on the voicemail because most people don't listen to voicemail anymore, and that is true. Send a text instead, unless it's work-related, an emergency, or something involving emotion. So isn't that something that now, good etiquette, Bob, we need to text 
before we're going to call somebody so that they know that we're going to call them or we need to find out what their availability is hmm. to see if they'll actually talk to us. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's. I'm not going to do it. As a reporter, I can't do it. I can't, <laughs> I'm sure no, you're I'm not. serious. I, I can't afford hmm. to wait around. If I need information, I'm going to call people and they pick up. And, of course, they're always glad to hear from me. And then I start asking questions. I'm not going to text them first. Oh, I'm working on a story about your impending. Right. I'm working on a story about your impending indictment. What time would be good for me to call to ask questions? <laughs> no, you do. You call first. Exactly. Talk about the weather and the price of tea in Newark Valley, and then you say, "So, what about this indictment? Ninety-three counts. Man, that sounds pretty serious. What's your What's your response?" Then they say, "Well, Bob, as you know." I'm innocent. And I say, thank you for the response, and I wish mm-hmm. you the best in all your future endeavors. That's that's how you work the news. You don't have time. Yeah. Etiquette, you know, if, if I could be polite and do my job, I would. But sometimes you have to go. Either you call, or what's even better, you show up. That's what people really love. You show up at their house or their business, and then you start (laughs) asking questions, and they're like, but I'm in the middle of something. I said, okay, this is only going to take five minutes, and then you can return to whatever is important, but we're working on a story. And because it's important that your viewpoint be represented in the story for it to be fair, that's why I'm here. You know, And some people are like, Oh, that's so 20th century. What kind of reporter actually goes and talks to people? Why don't you text them? It's like, yeah, I know. That's that's the easy way. But I I like the the direct approach. Mm-hmm. Speaking with people, well, looking them in the eye and saying, mm-hmm. "What about the indictment?" I wasn't singling you oh, out okay. personally, oh, thank Bob. You. Oh, thank you. Absolutely not. I was so worried. You're an exception to the uh, etiquette rule. Of you know, and, and by the way, even even people who are jammed up, they still like to see me because they realize that even if they're jammed up, at least they're going to get fair treatment from my news article. So say if they I, – I had this experience a few weeks ago, a, a woman who was the subject of a news story a few years ago that wasn't especially pleasant, wasn't terrible, but it wasn't especially pleasant – she was in a situation where suddenly she's in a needs to be for a news story, and so I showed up. And at first, the guy in front says, "Well, I don't think she wants to talk to reporters, but I'll ask her." Then, when she found out it was me, she came out in a couple minutes, and we had a great discussion. And she said, "You know, I remember that story a few years ago. You were the only reporter who actually reached out to me to include my side. Everybody else just took." what was in a news release, and her side never got represented in the story. So she was appreciative, even though both stories weren't exactly uh, exciting good news. But she she understood that what I do is to try to present the information about everyone very fairly. Well, okay. Well, just a you thought. Know that, mm-hmm. that, <laughs> really? That, <laughs> hey, I mean, I, let's put it this way. I'm no Geraldo. Do you want to be? No. Okay, there you go. No, and and the thing about Geraldo, we saw Even what he, he did. No, he was an interesting guy, I have to Yeah, say. well, all yeah. I'm going to say is, you know, Geraldo, I know he's retired now. You know where he went? 
after he left uh, New York City, the bright lights of New York City, he went and retired to someplace near Cleveland. <laughs> hmm. So anyway, no, I, I wish him the best in his retirement. I'm just saying, you know, I'm I'm no Geraldo. And I no, I'm I'm glad I'm not. So anyway, if people want to get in touch with you, what what's the best way? Well, they can do it several ways. Um, they can call us, and they don't have to text first. They can call us at 607-772-4898. They can Google us at KSO Insurance, and all our contact information comes up, including our website. Um, if they miss the phone number, go to a phone book. We have a big display ad. Under insurance, in the yellow pages, we are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East, up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore. And uh, the, like I said, one of the most easiest ways to reach us for an appointment is to simply give us a call. Karen Sweet O'Neill, thank you. You are welcome. You have a great day, Bob. I will. And the previous live segment was sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Coming up next, Binghamton Now, 607-772. 1290, live on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF. I'm Joseph, living the American dream. Hosting a live local talk program in the city in which I was born. This was my destiny. Back to phones we go. Michelle in Johnson City. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. I just wanted to say you're doing a great job this morning and, uh, I wanted to see what everyone thinks about courtesy cab closing. Um, I tried to call in yesterday and let you know first. I found out through the grapevine, but um, apparently the owner can't get insurance uh, to continue the business. And one other thought, just food for thought, is perhaps our constituents that are in office that you're asking to come in could take lessons from Ben Walsh in Syracuse. He's recently um, dedicated and promised to buy 52 properties in, through the city and redo them for affordable housing within the next two years. And I just, I, I just wonder how we can be so close and some cities have such great ideas and here we are losing businesses and losing, you know, affordable housing. All right. Well, good points. At some point, who knows? Maybe I'll call uh, Ben Walsh in Syracuse and see if he might have a few minutes to come on our Binghamton program and maybe explain what he's doing. Maybe maybe he has some helpful hints. Yes, sir. And you know what? I bet he will call, too. I bet he would. All right. Well, I know one time I I tried getting getting him on the program and it didn't work out but i didn't try very hard so I, this time i i might try um a little a little more to to try to assure that he comes on the program you know I, maybe i wasn't talking to the right person in his office 
but well, thank you again for everything. And I just, I'm just really sad to see another business that's been here since the '90s leave. Yeah, it's terrible. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Jim Emke at BinghamtonHomePage.com, News Channel 34 had the report on Tuesday about A1 courtesy cab closing as of March 1st. And the owner said that's when his insurance policy would be have to be renewed. So he said since the pandemic, he has had trouble recruiting drivers. He's been losing tens of thousands of dollars a year on his business. So it sounds as though he just had no choice but to shut it down. It's 949. WNBF Live. Bob Joseph, this is your program. Call in 607-772-1290. You're listening to Binghamton Now. Now real weather on WNBF. This real weather forecast. Provided by the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, showers this afternoon, high 44. By the way, they put out a special weather statement about batchy freezing rain possible. So if you're driving, watch out for patchy freezing rain and try not to dump your truckload of trash all over so other people have to pick it up. Right now it's 34 in downtown Binghamton. That's one Celsius News Radio WNBF. Here he is on the west side. What's going on? Hey, Pop. So, you know, I just want a little story here about uh, be careful what you put on social media. It may come back to bite you. There was a fella earlier in the week who put out a tweet that he would bet $5 on every like that he gets. This is on uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he would put that on uh, a golf bet on Carl Yan, which is a Chinese golfer. Okay, and we, we're so, not going to mention his name, but he's right. local. He's local, and he uh, might have to do with a bar owner or something, but uh, a local bar not too far from the uh, WNBF Tower. So he puts this tweet out, and sure enough, he gets more likes than he expected. So he's going to bet $5 for every like, and he gets 1,315 likes, which comes out to now he, if he's going to do what he said he did, he would have to bet $6,575 on this Chinese golfer to win the golf tournament this week. It's in Mexico. So... This In this article, which was uh, on the Golf Digest feed, it's basically his story about how he can't uh, place the bets on his phone or anything because there's certain limits. So he has to go, he can bet on his phone, then he had to travel to probably Tioga Downs and place more bets there, and then he had to go down to the Poconos and place bets down there because then it ends up he got all of his bets in. Oh, I see. Now I see the the story that you just referenced. Oh, my gosh. So I didn't know that it had gone wide. (laughs) Oh, well. The guy's a man of his word. Well, well, good. You know, and I know know he, I think he follows, I think he used to follow me on Twitter. Okay. I think he does still because sometimes he's commented about how, how good the program is. Yeah, he does follow me on Twitter. So Okay, or maybe he'll call in. Well, he might. Listen. Well, I don't know if he's, yeah, who knows. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he'll just send me an email. But he might call in since now it 
yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's on the uh, the loop at Golf Digest. So, all right, uh, yeah. thanks for calling that to my attention, and maybe I'll give him a call at some point just to see I'm what's what's up. Yeah, I am too. That's that's he wild. Got half a million dollars he could. Win. I know. Hey, that that'll be a big story. I appreciate the information. Okay, right on. Thank Bye. you. I love this program. That's how I learn most of most of the stuff around here is people will call in or email. Or coming up next, it's 956 Bob Joseph, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, showers in the afternoon, high near 45. Tonight, showers low around 35. Friday will be mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and a high near 47. The investigation into a possible arson fire continued as demolition crews removed what remained of a heavily damaged downtown Binghamton building. The blaze in the three-story wood frame structure at 122 Henry Street was reported just before 7.15 a.m. on Wednesday. One Binghamton firefighter sustained a minor injury when he slipped on ice at the scene. He was taken to a hospital for treatment. Firefighters were unable to conduct a complete building search, but they said it appeared anyone who had been inside the structure when the fire erupted managed to get out. The fire was declared under control around 9 a.m. Firefighters remained on the scene to continue pouring water on hot spots. Although the apartment house was vacant, officials said people often stayed in the building. Firefighters have been called to the property at least twice in recent weeks to extinguish small fires that apparently had been set by people trying to keep warm. Mayor Jared Cram said the city had been in the process of acquiring the Henry Street property as part of a settlement announced in December with Isaac Anzarut. Cram said because of the fire-damaged structure was in imminent danger of collapse, Gora Construction was called in to demolish what was left of the building. Binghamton Police Chief Detective Corey Miner said the investigation into the incident is continuing. Donald Trump could be at risk of losing some of his prized properties if he can't pay his staggering New York civil fraud penalty. With interest, he owes the state nearly $454 million, and the amount is going up by $87,502 each day until he pays. New York Attorney General Letitia James told ABC News on Tuesday that she will seek to seize some of the former president's assets if he's unable to cover the bill from Judge Arthur Engeron's February 16th ruling in her lawsuit against Trump his company, and top executives. The United Way of Broome County, along with 211 Susquehanna River Region Contact Center and the Broome County DSS, are offering free tax preparation services this year to area residents through the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, which is approved by the Internal Revenue Service. This service for qualified persons, according to the United Way of Broome County, offers free basic income tax preparation with electronic filing. 
In 2023, more than 650 households took advantage of the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. The United Way of Broome County noted that $1,149,109 in tax refunds were processed last year, along with an additional estimated savings of over $182,700 in tax prep costs to participants based on IRS estimates. To qualify, a total household income must be less than $64,000, and the individual must work and live in New York State, hold no rental property income, and must have no other state income outside of the state. Appointments are now being taken through April 11th. Pennsylvania's highest court is ruling that Republican state lawmakers can no longer try to enforce a subpoena for election records that they issued in 2021. Their requests had been inspired by former President Donald Trump's baseless claims of fraud in the 2020 presidential election. But the court said Wednesday that the subpoena became unenforceable when the state's legislature two-year session ended in 2022. It dismissed three appeals and vacated a lower court order that said the Senate could enforce its subpoena. The ruling is effectively a victory for the state attorney general's office, state Democrats, and several voter groups who had gone to court to try to block the subpoena. Two Pennsylvania brothers sentenced to life in the slayings of their parents and younger brother almost three decades ago have been sent resentenced to terms that may offer them a chance at parole. A Lehigh County judge in Pennsylvania on Wednesday sentenced 46-year-old Brian Freeman and 45-year-old David Freeman to terms of 60 years to life. The Allentown, Pennsylvania Morning Call reported that Brian Freeman wept as he expressed remorse and took responsibility for what he called a terrible crime. Authorities said the brothers were affiliated with a white supremacist skinhead movement at the time of the February 1995 killings of Dennis and Brenda Freeman and 11-year-old Eric Freeman. Each was convicted of murder. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF, this is Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph. Coming up this hour, we'll have more of your phone calls. Because there is a lot to talk about. Joining us now on WNBF, a couple of people from Binghamton University, Jerry Kamiski and Sandin Korinsky. Uh, it's always good to have champions with us here on News Radio 1290. I was going to play We Are the Champions, and I thought, well, that's too obvious, so I, I um, opted not to do that today. But welcome to WNBF, and congratulations to the swimming and diving team. This is uh, it's been a, a really important uh, uh, time for Coach and for you, Sandin, 
you must be so happy with what's happened with uh, this season. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it was a, a long year. You know, our, our goal since last March was to, you know, come out on top this February. And, uh, you know, the guys stay focused all year, um, you know, and it's a testament to them and, and, and their drive and commitment. So, um, you know, last week was certainly a, a rewarding couple days. And winning the America East Championship. And this happened and uh, things concluded on Saturday night at VMI. Correct. Yep. Um, we started Wednesday night, so four and a half or three and a half day meet. Um, you know, and, and it was kind of a, a grueling test. They, they're beaten up and, and tired through the weekend. Um, certainly a lot of emotion for that group, but it was a, a fun week. Sandin, tell me a, a little bit about your experience. First of all, a little bit about you, because uh, our listeners many times are interested in, in Binghamton University student athletes, how they wound up coming to Binghamton in the first place. A little bit of your background. Yeah, so I grew up in Rockaway Beach, Queens. I started swimming late middle school, swam all through high school. And I started doing really well, so I dropped other sports, stuck to swimming, and then I started getting recruited to other schools, and I chose Binghamton as my home, and I love it here. What do you like so much about Binghamton? What's, uh, what are some of, if you were talking to uh, other young people who were um, making, in the process of, of choosing a school as they continue their education, what are some of the... Uh, the most important selling points for Binghamton? Um, For me, growing up in the city, I'm not around a lot of trees, per se. So when I came here and I saw, like, the environment and how pretty it was, I truly loved it. And then when I found out more about programs that I could get into and that I could further my education, it got me excited. And especially being recruited for a sports team really made me excited to come here. Tell me a little bit about going back in your interest in in the sport and how that all started did, did that begin as a very young child in queens uh yeah since i grew up on the beach i started surfing when i was two years old so i was always in the ocean always swimming and my father put me onto a youth team and ever since then i haven't stopped swimming well it it sounds like it must have been fun, and then for what you're experiencing now with with such great success, just in in the past season and this past weekend, uh, you and and your uh, team members must just be on cloud nine to be be able to experience this. Oh my God, yeah, we're actually all so excited. It it's kind of still surreal. Uh, a lot of people don't haven't fully realized what we did it's really crazy because we came in and we won our freshman year and we came in second the next two and then we finished off our fourth year with another win so to be able to have a record like that is kind of crazy and we're all so excited about it well it's great it's great to have such good news and great success now coach uh, Kamiski, tell me a little bit about what went into making this season so successful? Yeah, you know, we've got a group, um, you know, that group of seniors um, made up half of our team. So, you know, they were here in 2021 when we won. And, you know, that was kind of just their expectation at that point. Um, You know, the last two years, we, we certainly thought we had a chance and fell a little short. So, 
you know, this year they were hungry um, to really kind of go out on top and, and have that feeling again, um, you know, and, and their commitment and drive, you know, really pulled the rest of the team along, um, you know, again, since last March. So they've been a focused group. They've, you know, talked a lot more about winning and, and what it takes and, and, you know, kind of being all in to do that. So, um, you know, we train hard, we, you know, not much change in terms of how we prepare or, or what we do. Um you know, but the quality of the work that we put in and, and just their commitment to what they've got to do outside of the water in, in terms of recovery and, and um, rest and nutrition and all those things, um, you know, we ask a lot of them. So some of those things fall fall into their hands and, and really make the, you know, the difference come the end. Well, to have this kind of success requires great commitment from the team members and, of course, the coaching, too. There's All of the ingredients need to come together. A lot of uh, perseverance, a lot of practice, and perhaps some luck along the way. All these elements need to come together to on the, on the road to a championship like this. Absolutely. You know, and... and you know, you talk about luck. We probably got a little unlucky to start. One of our, our top guys, a senior, broke his hand the first night. Um, you know, probably a, you know, multi-all-conference performer. So, you know, to see the guys kind of rally around him and, and pick him up and, and uh, you know, really get it done with some guys that, you know, haven't been in that, you know, kind of podium-level finishes before. Um you know, was special and, and certainly will be something we remember from, from last week. And certainly... Great things can still happen in the face of adversity. Sometimes that, that sort of unexpected development can um, help people come together, coalesce, and become more determined. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think we saw a little bit of that of, of guys, you know, that, that first day when Henry was out, you know, realizing, oh, man, we've, we've got to pick it up a little bit and, and step up. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we could have asked for much more, you know, from the team. So, um Everybody that was on our scoring roster scored points at the meet and contributed. Um, you know, the atmosphere was great. The energy, the focus was was there right from the start. Um, you know, and, and certainly a lot more highs than lows, and, and that's the kind of name of the game. Sandon, tell me about your future now. Would it, so the, the season has, has won with uh, a, a great championship, great accomplishments. Uh, what are you looking forward now for the next uh, few months and, and also for the next few years? Uh, next few months, definitely looking forward to uh, some relaxation. It's very well earned. But coming years, I'm doing a fifth year at Binghamton, and I'm also going to be competing again. So I'll have another year of swimming and hopefully another title. But after that, I'm hoping to attend ESF up in Syracuse and further my education in the environmental field. Do you have a specific specific type of um, career path that you're looking forward to? Something that you're uh, aiming to um, become after you wrap up your education? I'm looking into either arbitrary or environmental consultation, but I'm yet to decide on that. I'm taking classes to figure out which path I want to take. Well, I wish you continued success, both uh, as as you continue to compete and also with your education. Sandy, Sandin Karinsky and Coach Jerry Kamiski, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Wish you both the best in the coming 
months, and years. This is Binghamton Now, WNBF Live and Local on a Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. We'll be taking more of your phone calls. The number to call is 607-772-1290. We're here for you every weekday morning from 9 to noon. News Radio, WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. WNBF, all the hits, all the time. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not voice tracking. It's live, live talk, I mean. Hi. <laughs> Hi, what's going on? This is Beverly Number 2 from the town of Dickinson. Hey, Beverly Number 2, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Excellent. Ah, I want to know about an eating place on Front Street and when it's going to open. I went by the Red Oak the other day. And I see uh, cardboard boxes and garbage out in front, and cars were there, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, maybe this place is going to open. Well, I can tell you yes, but I can't tell you exactly when, but yes. And uh, what I will say is stay tuned. I will. But, <laughs> you know, we've lost eating places I on know. Front Street, and... I'm sure looking forward to that one opening because we've spent many a day there, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I I have my memories, and it's been tough. The last last few years have been uh, really challenging for people uh, running all types of businesses, you know, restaurants and cab companies. People are having so much difficulty. Uh, times have changed, and... Sadly, the way the way things are are going, I'm really concerned about our our locally owned businesses. The way things have been going over the last five or ten years. A lot of our little restaurants are closing. I miss the the spot. You know that's never coming back, and uh, that was a great place to go to eat. Yeah, so, and I miss you know, the the uh, Lupo's S&S Char Pit. Every time I have a oh hankering for a a lamb sub, I drive by there. And I just sometimes if people uh, see a, a guy uh, driving a newsmobile and sitting in the parking lot with a, a, a <laughs> tear streaming down his left cheek, that's me because I can no longer get a, a lamb speedy sub anywhere in Broome County. Nobody will make them for me. I know. Lamb is something that was never very popular, but I'm Italian, so we liked lamb and my mother would get lamb chops and We'd have lamb for dinner on Sunday sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, I have a, a, I have a, leg, of, a leg of lamb. Mm, yeah, so I have a good friend who every once in a while he, he puts on a, a dinner, and more often than not, the what he features is uh, is a lamb recipe. And he's he's extremely talented, and anytime, you know, 
well, we're going to have a get-together on, on Friday night. Um, what should I make? I said, well, you choose what you want to do, but you know me. If if you are willing to do something with lamb, that that would be great. And I would say most of the time that's, that's what he chooses. So I, I love it. But I'll keep you posted, okay? Okay, well, thank you very much for talking to me. You have a good day. Thank you, Beverly. It's uh, 1025 News Radio, WNBF. This is Bob Joseph. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a local business that sadly is going to be closing soon. It's coming up next on our Thursday program, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Ten twenty seven WNBF WNBF dot com with Bob Joseph and we will be taking more phone calls very shortly on our Thursday program. Right now, though, we're joined by uh, a special guest. This is uh, I, I always enjoy surprises. So, Robert Pornbeck, thanks for coming in, Bob Pornbeck. Thank you. Um, and you've got A1 Courtesy Cab that's been part of our community for so many years. But now you're you're facing uh, uh, some very big challenges. And I saw the story earlier this week from Jim Emke at News Channel 34. I know you heard some of our conversations, so you wanted to uh, come in and, and talk about uh, what you're facing, what's going on. And perhaps give us a little background because I have to admit, I know very little about how the local cab business operates, your business or the independent operators. I, I have to say the last time I took a cab in Broome County was probably about 40 years ago. So that's, I, I have to confess my ignorance. Well, Bob, uh, you're right up there with the county. <laughs> well, I, I hate to be facetious. But, yeah, well, um, well, tell us, first of all, tell us how you got in the business to begin with. When did it start? I was I owned luxury limousine for 25 years, and uh, the limo business kind of was, you know, coming to a halt. And, you know, you can see the writing on the wall. So I decided to get into the cab business. Um, that was 28 years ago. And at the time, there was there was probably 150 cabs in Broome County. Uh, now we're down to, after I go out, if I do go out, we're going to be down to 20 cabs. That includes the independents and the uh, one other cab company that only operates till 5 p.m. So I'm the last 24-hour taxi service in Broome County. And this creates a big crunch. For people who want to travel at two in the morning, three in the morning, uh, your Uber and Lyft people, they go out three, four hours, make 40, 50 bucks, whatever they do, and basically their day is over. You don't see people out there Uber and Lyft at that hour because they choose not to, not to drive at those hours. So it's going to create a huge shortfall. Tell me about the logistics, just the basic logistics of of running a 24-7 cab business. Well, we have a 24-hour dispatch, and we have, uh, you know, our fleet of cars, and we have our drivers, 
And the shortfall recently, Bob, has been the, the drivers. The phone is ringing off the hook. But the problem is the drivers, we, we cannot secure drivers. The county is uh, implementing. They have been for many, many years uh, very over-the-top regulations that when you have somebody that is uh, unemployed looking for a job, the last thing they can do is come up with 150 to 200 dollars for a job that they, uh, you know, a taxi driver position. So, and this is what the county is requiring. The uh, city of Cortland, they fell into the same trap. What happened was they had regulations, and the cab companies were like, "We cannot do this. We can't operate under these circumstances." Well, guess what? The city of Cortland was smart enough to realize that they needed to get rid of the regulations. The regulations that are on the books with Broome County came up from Newburgh, New York, which is a totally different metro marketing area. You're 45 minutes from New York City. In a case like that, they probably have multiple cab companies down there that need to be regulated. But in this situation, the county's response was, well, the drivers need, we need safe drivers for Broome County. Well, let me just tell you this. I know who's in my cars. I know who's driving them. They have to pass certain credentials with the insurance company. Their driver's abstract has to be presented. We don't just put anybody on the road. We filter that out at our level in the office. And... uh What's happened recently, well, ever since I've been in business, the people you have to worry about is the passengers. The passengers are the ones that are uh, more dangerous. We've had drivers with knives to their throats, drivers that have gotten beaten up. We've had drivers that have been locked in the trunk of the car, their cell, cell phones stolen. I can tell you there's probably... 10 to 15 incidents since I've been in business like this. But the county's worried about the drivers. Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't to me. So when things started nearly three decades ago, how how was business? Because, again, the, the entire landscape was, was totally different That's than correct. it is now in 2024. That's correct. Uh, business was booming. And business still is booming. We don't have the drivers for the cars. Two drivers a day would mean that I would break even with this cab business. Just two drivers a day, two extra leases. Four extra leases would put me into a a very nice profit for the year. That's how simple it is of a breakdown of how just a few more drivers could make this company. But right now, I can't stand to lose money. And the county, I don't know what their attitude is there. They said that uh, one of their rebuttals was that, well, maybe Bob's charging too much for his leases. Well, guess what? Bob is charging less in 2024 than, he, than we were charging in 2019 for leases in an attempt to attract drivers. So there's another example of the county has no idea about a business that they're regulating. So I know from Jim Emke's story earlier this week that 
you have made plans to wrap up business in the next several days. Is there is there a, a possibility that things can can change enough that you will be able to continue to provide service to the Binghamton area? Only if the county gets rid of their regulations. I don't mind paying the $200 per cab or whatever. It has to be on the drivers. My drivers are, are background checked, FBI background checks, fingerprinted. And the competition out there, which Uber and Lyft, uh, they are not. They have a very uh, easy background check, let's put it that way. It's about the similar to Match.com. So you have people out there driving and in the Uber and Lyft vehicles that are actually very serious criminals but still can drive. I can't get away with that here. Not that I'm looking for criminals to drive, but right. it's just Well, obviously, example. it's your business. You're going to do your best to try to have the best available people Correct. operating your vehicles. And again... It's your company, so obviously you can't clone yourself and operate the entire cab company, but you're going to want people who can be responsible and will provide the kind of service that the community needs, and so you will have repeat customers, so people will know they can depend on your company, on Courtesy Cab. You're exactly correct that if we were providing a bad service, nobody would be calling us, but the phones are ringing off the hook. So what are people going to do if you can't find a way forward? And again, this is um, uncharted territory for me because I, I do have the luxury of having my own car at my disposal. So if I want to or need to go someplace at 2.30 in the morning or at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning or whatever, that's not something that affects me. But I do know from talking with our listeners on and off the air, I know that many of our listeners don't have that luxury. They do rely on on cab service. Well, here's the other thing about Uber and Lyft: they only accept credit cards. If you don't, if you have cash, you're out of luck. And you know, listen, we we provide a safety net for the community too with DWIs. Okay, people that are out there in bars that had a little bit too much to drink, we'll call courtesy cab, hopefully, in many, many instances over the years of, you know, picking up at bars, people had too much to drink and uh, want a taxi ride, a safe taxi ride home. That option will be gone. So you would think from a public safety standpoint, it would be in Broome County's interest to preserve what little 24-7 cab service remains. That's correct. So, have you had any conversations recently with county officials that might lead to a resolution that could keep your, your business going beyond March 1st? I have uh, I have a few politicians that are re- reaching out to one politician that could actually get the ball rolling on this. We have seven days to do it. So I'm kind of waiting for a Hail Mary pass here. Uh, I would continue on if they got rid of the regulations for the drivers. Just the drivers. That's it. We still would have our cars inspected by the county for the safety factor of whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm hoping for is that something drastic can happen. But, you know, when you're dealing with the county, it takes 
takes time. They got to have legislative meetings. They got to do this. Well, this is kind of important. We do over 100 Medicaid trips a day. The guy from Medicaid or from MAS, which is the Medicaid provider that provides the calls to us, was heartbroken the other day. He goes, Bob, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. We can disperse this to other companies, but this is a lot of work. He got, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle all of the Medicaid calls. Another uh, service we provide is called Code Blue. Code Blue is where homeless people are picked up, no questions asked, and we run them to a hotel in Owego, New York. So the girl from Code Blue called me yesterday, and she said, Bob, I have nobody for this transportation. She goes, this is not good for the county, it's not good for the area, and it's not good for the homeless people. Clock is ticking. March 1st is a week from tomorrow. What's your gut feeling about what might happen between now and then? I'm an optimist, but uh, the gut feeling is nobody cares. Nobody cares in the county. I'm just a, another business. I employ about 30 people to 35 people in the cab business. Some of them have been there with me since day one. And that's a heartbreaker for me because I... They have shown their loyalty. They could have hopped to another cab company or whatever, you know, uh, over the years. But I have people that have been with me for 28 years. So with time of the essence, and if something isn't done by the end of this month and service is shut down, is there, would there be a prospect of resuming service if the county does take action say sometime not too long after March 1st say could there be a temporary shutdown and then business would resume that would be really cumbersome we would have to re-register all our vehicles that would be a huge expense um, and like I said uh, I think you mentioned that I had losses last year with us of course we did because if you don't have uh, you know a driver to put in the car with the phones ringing, you're not gonna you're not gonna make money. Well, keep me posted. I appreciate Absolutely. your uh, coming in today to um, give us more detail and more context about what's going on. Bob Pornback, the operator of A1 Courtesy Cab, and you're based right here on Court Street in Binghamton. Yes, sir. Just a few blocks away from here. Hopefully, Broome uh, County will act quick and get rid of that res or get rid of the taxi res. Uh, regulations and uh, give me a fighting chance that's all i'm asking for stay tuned and as i say keep me in the loop because uh i have now come to understand how important this is to many people in the triple cities area i thank you very much bob stand 42 wnbf live you're listening to binghamton now on wnbf It was raining hard in Frisco I needed one more fare to make my night A lady up ahead waved to flag me down She got in at the light 
46 WNBF with Bob Joseph, 607-772-1290. We're here for you. Station that gives you the information quickly and accurately. So Binghamton police are investigating a suspicious fire in the stadium district, the emerging stadium district. Brought you uh, some of the initial coverage of the fire at 122 Henry Street Wednesday. If you haven't seen our story, actually a couple of stories, at the uh, website WNBF.com, they're still there for your perusal, including um, some pictures and, and videos. So we will give you more information there. Will be more information coming out about this. And you'll see it at WNBF.com. And you'll also get all the information you need at WNB, or on, on the air at WNBF uh, 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. Here's a little clip that we posted on, on Twitter when we returned to the scene of the fire. This is from Wednesday afternoon, uh, just a very brief conversation with uh, Mayor Jared Cram, who spotted uh, the Bobmobile, and uh, he stopped by to speak with me about the fire and then uh, what's, uh, what was going on in the aftermath of the fire. This is, uh, again, just a short clip that we uh, posted on Twitter Wednesday afternoon from the scene on Henry Street. Oh, wait, that's not... Hold on. That's not the mayor. That's just the demolition. Here's here's the mayor. Fire erupted on this Wednesday morning. The fire damage was confined to the upper uh, portion of this three-story house. The fire was extinguished after a couple of hours. Now, demolition is getting underway. Mayor Jared Cram is at the scene. This was on the list of properties that you had announced were part of the settlement with Isaac Ansaroo. But I understand that the actual transfer of ownership had not been completed. That's correct. So the city is not... Uh the owner of this property right now, it still is Mr. Andrew. Uh, we're going to be closing on the property here very shortly. 
But what's happening right now is that uh, demolition crews from Gore Construction of Binghamton are here on site uh, to demolish what's right now, you know, in, uh, building that's in imminent danger of collapse. Now, this is a public safety issue for uh, anyone who's driving or walking in the area. It's important that we get this extremely fire-damaged property down safely today. That debris uh, cleanup happen today and tomorrow on the property. Uh, the roof has collapsed uh, due to the fire. Uh, obviously, there's been debris that's fallen off, and, and it's in real poor condition right now. In some ways, this is similar to a fire that happened at an Andrew property on Conklin Avenue almost exactly two years ago. Uh, very similar. Uh, the property on Conklin Avenue is a commercial property, but it's really important that Gorick, uh, we have the emergency demo happen, get this building down as uh, it's in danger of collapsing further. Uh, we certainly don't want to have that happen, and Gorick is here to safely do it uh, under the city's emergency guidelines. For Jared Cram, thank you. Thank you. And almost as if on cue, Gorick Construction started the demolition. Oh, by the way, for the cynics, it wasn't pre prearranged. It just happened that way. I know. I'm thinking, well, I'll ask Mayor Cram a couple of questions about what's going on. And I saw that the start of the demolition was imminent. And then as we wrapped up at the scene, at that moment, the demolition began. And so scene today... At 122 Henry Street, across from the post office, is completely different than what it looked like 24 hours ago. It's 1051 News Radio, WNBF, serving the community. By the way, in case you were wondering what that garbage mess looks like at the um, Johnson City Exit 71 from Route 17, if you want to see that... Uh, also take a look at our Twitter feed, at Binghamton Now, because, um, yeah, that is a real mess. There's no surprise there. I guess the question is how many more times will trash trucks overturn at that exit? It seems, I think the last time that I was there covering very similar story, I think involving the same company, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look that up. I think the same company that was hauling the trash this morning and had one of their trucks overturn at exit 71, I think it was the same company involved in the uh, other crash that I covered there approximately three years ago. Stand 53, Thursday morning. Live and local, Bob Joseph on WNBF. WNBF, Bob Joseph. I'm only happy when it rains. Tons and tons of stinking garbage from out of town. Oh, my gosh. So I looked up the story that I did at that um, terrible spot for trash haulers at Exit 71 
in Johnson City. So here's the story from November 5th, 2020. See, this is where AI comes into play. If we were using AI here at the station, all I would have to do to update this story would be just plug in a couple of different things, like a, a different time, but it's even the same day. So this is from November 2020. Story that, as they say, ripped from the headlines. It's sort of exactly what happened this morning. A big rig hauling garbage rolled over as it left Route 17 west of Binghamton, spilling its load on a grassy area next to an exit ramp. The tractor trailer, operated by Colucci Trucking of Rome, had been eastbound on the expressway. It crashed at exit 71 just after... And I'm estimating the time this morning, maybe 7.15 a.m. I don't know. I, I don't have the exact time. All I know is it was a stinking, smoldering pile of... Okay, it wasn't smoldering. It was just stinking, a pile of trash. But the crash in November also was a Thursday, uh, November of 2020. And that was at 1.30 in the afternoon. The trailer was filled with several tons of household trash being hauled to a landfill. Now, in that case, from November 2020, the guy who was driving the truck told WNBF News he was not injured but was a bit sore. Now, I went over there this morning because news tipsters let me know that my first assignment on this Thursday would be to go take pictures of another mound of somebody else's garbage at exit 71. So, of course, like the dutiful journalist, instead of saying... Eh, I've seen it all before I went. I won't tell you the whole story. There's, there's more to the story, and I wish I could tell you. But all I can say is I wish there was video because it would it would go viral. But I'm not going to tell you that part of the story, at least not for now. Uh, hey, I have no video, so. But it happened. Heavy-duty wreckers were sent to the scene. Traffic was maintained on the exit ramp shortly after the crash. But then a detour was expected. Anyway, right now that ramp is still closed. So, but anyway, just let me just see the the video from 2020. It was a warmer day. It it was a warmer day then. So that November 5th, 2020, I can attest that trash was worse because I think the temperature was probably maybe around 60. Today wasn't as bad because the temperature was, rel- I think it was in the 20s or whatever. So Anyway, here's our trash talk for the morning. Don't worry, the program continues in just a few moments here on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, showers in the afternoon, high near 45. Tonight, showers, low around 35. Friday will be mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and a high near 47. The investigation into a possible arson fire continued as demolition crews removed what remained of a heavily damaged downtown Binghamton building. The blaze in the three-story wood frame structure at 122 Henry Street was reported just before 7.15 a.m. on Wednesday. One Binghamton firefighter sustained a minor injury when he slipped on ice at the scene. He was taken to a hospital for treatment. 
firefighters were unable to conduct a complete building search, but they said it appeared anyone who had been inside the structure when the fire erupted managed to get out. The fire was declared under control around 9 a.m. Firefighters remained on the scene to continue pouring water on hot spots. Although the apartment house was vacant, officials said people often stayed in the building. Firefighters have been called to the property at least twice in recent weeks to extinguish small fires that apparently had been set by people trying to keep warm. Mayor Jared Cram said the city had been in the process of acquiring the Henry Street property as part of a settlement announced in December with Isaac Anzarut. Cram said because of the fire-damaged structure was in imminent danger of collapse, Gora Construction was called in to demolish what was left of the building. Binghamton Police Chief Detective Corey Miner said the investigation into the incident is continuing. Donald Trump could be at risk of losing some of his prized properties if he can't pay his staggering New York civil fraud penalty. With interest, he owes the state nearly $454 million, and the amount is going up by $87,502 each day until he pays. New York Attorney General Letitia James told ABC News on Tuesday that she will seek to seize some of the former president's assets if he's unable to cover the bill from Judge Arthur Engeron's February 16th ruling in her lawsuit against Trump his company, and top executives. The United Way of Broome County, along with 211 Susquehanna River Region Contact Center and the Broome County DSS, are offering free tax preparation services this year to area residents through the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, which is approved by the Internal Revenue Service. This service for qualified persons, according to the United Way of Broome County, offers free basic income tax preparation with electronic filing. In 2023, more than 650 households took advantage of the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. The United Way of Broome County noted that $1,149,109 in tax refunds were processed last year along with an additional estimated savings of over $182,700 in tax prep costs to participants based on IRS estimates. To qualify, a total household income must be less than $64,000, and the individual must work and live in New York State, hold no rental property income, and must have no other state income outside of the state. Appointments are now being taken through April 11th. Pennsylvania's highest court is ruling that Republican state lawmakers can no longer try to enforce a subpoena for election records that they issued in 2021. The requests had been inspired by former President Donald Trump's baseless claims of fraud in the 2020 presidential election, but the court said Wednesday that the subpoena became unenforceable when the state's legislature two-year session ended in 2022. It dismissed three appeals and vacated a lower court order that said the Senate could enforce its subpoena. The ruling is effectively a victory for the state attorney general's office, state Democrats, and several voter groups who had gone to court to try to block the subpoena. 
Two Pennsylvania brothers sentenced to life in the slangs of their parents and younger brother almost three decades ago have been resentenced to terms that may offer them a chance at parole. A Lehigh County judge in Pennsylvania on Wednesday sentenced 46-year-old Brian Freeman and 45-year-old David Freeman to terms of 60 years to life. The Allentown, Pennsylvania Morning Call reported that Brian Freeman wept as he expressed remorse and took responsibility for what he called a terrible crime. Authorities said the brothers were affiliated with a white supremacist skinhead movement at the time of the February 1995 killings of Dennis and Brenda Freeman and 11-year-old Eric Freeman. Each was convicted of murder. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on News Radio WNBF. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com and always available on the free WNBF app. Coming up, we'll be taking more of your phone calls. First, a special segment from Vestal. The Vestal High School is presenting High School Musical, and it will be getting started with the presentation tonight and continuing over the weekends. Joining us now on WNBF, we have the program and music director, Austin Kiley. And we're also joined by a couple of Vestal High School seniors, Samuel Armand and Raina Sway. Welcome to WNBF. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are things going at Vestal High School? Things are going great. All right. I haven't been over there in a while. I last time I was actually at Vestal High School for an event was for the Union Endicott Vestal High School game a few years ago. So I haven't actually been over there for anything special, but maybe I'll be able to make it over to the school sometime this weekend to uh enjoy a presentation of high school musical. So I'm I'm so pleased that uh, you have a chance to chat with us uh, ab- about this presentation. Now, Mr. Kiley, tell us a, a little bit of background, what's been going on in recent weeks to get to the point of the uh, presentation that gets underway this evening. Sure. So we do auditions for the show all the way back in October, and we start rehearsing um, from uh, the end of November all the way through until now, and the show opens tonight. So um, the last few weeks, rehearsals have been amping up a little bit more. We've been going, rehearsing from 5 to 10 at night, a couple nights a week. We just had our last dress rehearsal last night. Um, And so we're all set. We've put everything together, all the hair and makeup and the set and costumes and props and everything's all together uh, for tonight. 
So tell me uh, about this. What I didn't realize until just a few moments ago is there's a dual cast here. This this is not just a, a single cast that'll be putting on High School Musical in Vestal this weekend. Right. We like to um, to double cast. So we have, uh, um, you know, in years when we feel like we have the right students for the parts, we like to give them the opportunity so that we will have two sets of leads. Well, I think that's great, and you're fortunate at Vestal High School to um, have that amount of talent. Some schools uh, in the area that do their own um, productions, they do their best, but they, they have enough for, say, uh, one cast. The other thing, though, in addition to the students who actually are seen on stage, there are so many other people who work behind the scenes to make something like this possible. Yeah, we have students in uh, playing instruments in the pit. We have a large crew of students working backstage and running the lights and um, working at the front of house with ticket sales and everything like that. It takes a lot of people to doing a lot of things, putting in a lot of hours to make it all happen. Samuel Armand, tell me a bit about your character. You're going to portray Troy. Um, yeah, so... Um, I'm really excited to be playing the um, male lead in this musical, and I think one of the um, the I guess the most um, enlightening part about um, being able to play him is the fact that I was able to find so many connections between the character and myself. There were a lot of times where, at first, I assumed that he'd be pretty different from me, but as time progressed and we got to learn more about the characters and how they interact with each other, I got to learn not only more about the character, but also myself and how we, how similar we are in the end. And Raina Sway, you will portray Kelsey. Tell me a bit about the character you're going to play. Yeah, so I actually relate to her a lot on a personal level because she starts off as a shy piano player who, who composed the entire musical, but um, and she's scared of Sharpay, who has always gotten the lead and doesn't treat her very nicely but by the end of the musical she's able to stand up to her so i think that character development is really nice so reina have you been in other presentations at vestal high school in the past yeah i've been in all of them so far so starting from ninth grade all the way until now and it's been a wonderful experience i really love the community yeah it's fun to perform in front of a live audience isn't it it is <laughs> Yeah, I've I've had limited experience. I, I didn't do it in school, but I've I've been involved in a, a couple of community things. Well, actually, several community things over the years. In some cases, as a director or assistant director, or sometimes uh, playing uh, one of the roles, and I just find it invigorating, and it's it's different. I'm. I'm on the radio here in a studio in Binghamton. It's windowless, and we're surrounded by tons of concrete and steel and glass, and I don't see anybody, so I just have to imagine that there might be an audience out there. But when you're actually able to perform in front of a group of people, whether it's a few dozen or even a, a couple of hundred people, there's just something so exciting about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely fills you with adrenaline, and it's great to be able to show them what you've worked so hard to put together. And the thing is, 
every show is just a bit different. I mean, you're you're going through the same the same lines, but but sometimes the the actual feel of the show, both as a performer or perhaps as a member of the audience, could be different. For example, the way the audience might interact tonight could be totally different than the type of audience that'll be on hand tomorrow or Saturday night or for the matinee on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think the different casts also have a different feel. And they're, they they have their own quirks, I would say. Like, they're different, but they're both, um, uh, they're unique and great in their own way. Yeah, and it makes performing each and every single time that much more fun because you never really know what you're going to um, end up performing. It's exciting. It's especially in this day and age where everything what I see now in, in media, whether it's traditional media or social media, everything seems to be getting so pre-produced and, and the spontaneity and the excitement has been sucked out of so much of our lives that in these few situations that remain, whether it's uh, a performance at a high school or even a live radio program, the fact that we can do things and not everything has been pre-recorded and then carefully edited so it's it's all uh, perfect looking or perfect sounding, I think it's nice in 2024 that there still is a, a chance to do something that has uh, a degree of spontaneity. Yeah, live theater is um, it's so special because it's like, you know, if you see a picture of the Grand Canyon, it's, you know, it's nice, but it's not like being at the Grand Canyon. And that's kind of what live theater does is, you know, TikTok has a lot of great things on it, but there's that level of uh, it's been pre-made and we're watching the final product. Whereas with theater, it's people doing it for real right in front of you. And it's just a different magical energy. Do either of you plan to continue participating in, in any kind of live productions in, in the future years after high school? Um, definitely. As time allows. I've, my plans are kind of um, jam-packed, but I'd love to um, be able to have the opportunity to um, participate in something like this, even if it's a much smaller role. And Raina, what about you? Well, right now I plan to go into medicine, but I definitely want to keep music in my life. Um, I would really love to join an acapella group at the college I go to at the very least. And as Sam said, if I have time, it would be great to be in a production like this again and meet lots of new people. Well, this is exciting. Uh, Samuel Armand, Raina Sway. I wish you the best as you participate in the uh, productions this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening at uh, Vestal High School, Sunday afternoon. And as we mentioned, uh, there are uh, uh, a couple of casts. So people, hey, I would recommend people go see um, one production with one cast and another production with the, the second cast and enjoy Enjoy uh, each. Uh, Mr. Kylie, if people are interested in obtaining tickets online, what can they do? Is that, is that over? Looks like the online ticket reservations are over. Yeah, so at this point, we're done with the online tickets. But um, for each show, uh, we open the box office one hour before the performance. So um, that tonight friday and saturday tickets are on sale between six and seven and then on sunday tickets are on sale between 12 and one high school musical performances coming up starting this evening running through sunday afternoon at vestal high school austin kiley 
and Samuel Armand and Raina Sway. Thank you so much for being with us this morning on WNBF. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for interviewing us. Thank you. Have a great one. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Have a great day. You too. It's 1120, live and local, serving the community. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. Seven twenty-two WNBF Live. The Flash, apparently official. John from Binghamton has passed a message to congressional candidate Josh Riley regarding talk radio. And this is what John from Binghamton has posted on Twitter. Hey, Josh, I got a message. Message. I got a message for you on WNBF. Bob wants you to call him. Oh, good. I owe Bob a call. I'll give him a call. Tell him next time you see him, tell him I'll give him a ring. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the lines are open. Live. The lines are open to everybody on the planet. Morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is Matt from uh, Consumer Cellular. <laughs> By the way, did you hear I, I, that? I, I, did you hear that the phones aren't working for some people this morning because of the yeah, unlucky, the phones? Lucky for you, I have a landline too. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, some people have working phones. When I woke up this morning and heard there were um, some phone outages affecting AT&T and T-Mobile and what's the other one? Uh, Green Co. and Purple yeah, People I Eaters. Maybe, yeah. I think maybe Consumer Cellular uses AT&T system yeah. or something. But anyway. anyway, what's anyway, on your mind? Uh, just so I, you know, I wish that anybody who has the ear of uh, the Speaker of the House today and uh, listens to all the Ukrainians from our community and also realize that this thing, whole thing about we're you know, we're spending too much money. First of all, I said it's way less than 5% of our military budget. Second of all, 66 or 64% of that money actually stays right in this country because it's the weapons that are going to go there are made by, um, you know, our companies. <laughs> so, and, and so it's, you know, we're not sending our young men and women over there to get killed. 
And uh, this is, you know, this is the first war that everybody compares to something similar to what was happening during World War II. The implications are that big for uh, Europe and, and, and our, you know, future uh, security. So I think that, uh, you know, we, the amount of money we're spending is way less than people make it out to be. It's helping. And I'm not a big military pro-military guy. I've, fought, I've protested against a lot of wars, but this this war is a little seems a little quite a bit different to me in terms of uh, the motivation. And don't forget, it was Vladimir Putin who started it. He uh, started it really back in 2014 with, when he took Crimea. And uh, just to, again, going back to a little history, Ukraine had given up all its nuclear weapons to have security. And and that's they had a lot of nukes, and uh, so Russia also brought, you know, I think they're probably uh, thinking, well, we should have kept those nukes now. They wouldn't be going through this. Uh, maybe probably wouldn't have gone through Crimea, Crimea as well, taking off Crimea. So this is the world we live in. Uh, we see that uh, the people that are attacking our government from outside, this uh, supposed FBI informant, I'd be worried if he got released. I'd be worried. You know, he might want to be in custody because if he has information to uh, implicate the Kremlin in some of this to, to get a good deal, he might be subject to uh, assassination attempts. So, um, you know, that's that's the world we live in today, and I just hope that that word gets to Mike, um, the, our Speaker of the House. Are you planning to meet with him yourself? Uh, he, I don't think he wants to meet with me. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny if I go up to Shenango Forks up to Davies and I see you <laughs> sitting there with the Speaker of the House yeah. and the current district attorney and Vic from the Forks? Yes, that, that would be a, that that would be a be picture. <laughs> anyway, thanks for checking in. Let let me know. Let me know if you see. I remember I said I said there. There, there were three people at the start of the program that I thought would be good to have on the program. A, uh, the Speaker of the House. What's his name? Mike, Mike Nesmith. Um, I, what's his name now? It's, um. Livingston. Isn't it? Wait, wait I just threw stop. a blank too. Anyway. Mike. Now I know Mark Molinaro. He's been on the program before. So he, he knows the studio. He's been on, on the program almost as much as you have. <laughs> well, not quite, but anyway, he has been here several times. Then I also said about um, uh, Josh Riley. He's running against Mark Molinaro, and he's never been in the studio. Matt, do you believe it? I've never met Josh Riley. And, you know, I used to live in West Endicott. He used to you live will. in West Endicott. I've never met him. We will deliver him to your studio one day. Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, look. See, that shows you this is a bipartisan effort. John from Binghamton and Matt from Binghamton, a Republican and a Democrat, are working together to get Josh Riley here in the studio. I know. You're saying, Bob, don't hold your breath. Hi, WNBF, 1128. We're live and local. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is uh, Randy from uh, Town of Dickinson. Morning, Randy. What's up? Not too much. I'd just like to talk about cab drivers. Yeah? Well, you want to know what, what I want to talk about? Well, you're well, on I, the air. You know, time, the clock is ticking. 
Oh, am I on the air? Okay. Yeah. Um, I just want to say the cab drivers, to me, they're unsung heroes of our society. I mean, to me, they're right up there with policemen and firemen. I mean, they're putting their lives on the line. I mean, when they pick up somebody, you know, you don't know what you're going to get or if you're going to make it out of there. I mean, and they provide a really valuable service. And, you know, they don't get pensions or 401Ks, and they have no nobody protect them. They have no team to back them up. And um, if we lose the, this cab company goes out of business, unfortunately, which it looks like, um, our, I think we're it's it'll diminish the quality of life in our community because that, that uh, owner, you know, he um, he you know said all the good things he does, you know, um, all the community services he does for the homeless people and people on Medicaid, and um, to me, our government should be promoting the quality of life, not diminishing it. And so, like I said, to me, the cab drivers, um, they're unsung heroes and a vital part of our community. I agree. I, I fully agree with what you said. And I was so glad that Bob Pornbeck was able to come in here and tell us more about the story. Because it's it's a resource whether or not some people ever use a, a local cab or not. A lot of people depend on them. And if, if, exactly. if that business is not operating at the end of next week, it's going to be a tremendous loss to Broome County. And um, a few months ago, I had a medical procedure at uh, one of the local hospitals on Riverside Drive. And um, I was told I, I couldn't drive away from the procedure. I had to have a ride. You know, they didn't say, you know, so I assumed, you know, a cab, a professional cab driver, that would be good enough. But they refused to do the procedure when they found out that I was going to have a cab driver take me away from the procedure. I mean, it, it, it reflects our society in general. I mean, these are people of professional drivers. They've been screened and checked, and yet they wouldn't even trust them to drive me home from this procedure. I mean, uh, that just goes to show you our uh, general people look down their noses at cab drivers, which they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. And in my view, uh, cab drivers ought to be uh, thanked all, all the time. And even if you don't use their services, you should thank them because they're there at least apparently till the end of next week. They're there for you. Otherwise, with uh, Uber and Lyft, hey, if I, if I need someplace, if I need to get someplace at 2 in the morning, as Mr. Pornbeck said, the odds of me have being able to find uh, a Lyft driver, an Uber driver who's who's willing to take me someplace at that hour, uh, the odds are pretty slim. Yeah, you're right. And uh, especially you never know when you're going to break down or when you're ever going to need a cab driver. Like you said, if you break down at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, they come in handy. And I saw something on Fox that was interesting, too, the other day, Fox News, about you can't in New York City. You can't flag cabs down anymore. You have to call a number to ha get a cab to pick you up. Yeah, a listener mentioned that the other day, and I, I was not aware of that. It's, it seems strange because it wasn't the case the last time I was in the city. Like I said, these cab drivers are brave. They're on their own, you know. And you read about cab drivers being assaulted all the time, robbed, murdered, and like I said, you know, they're heroes in my book. You know, they're. Unsung heroes of society, they really are. Appreciate your call. Thank you so much. 11.33, more calls coming up. It's a live program. 
I have no control over it. Well, I do have some control over it, but as far as who actually comes into the studio, the Speaker of the House, welcome. Stay tuned for an exclusive interview. I'm kidding. Of course he's not coming here. (laughs) The Speaker of the House, but he could. He still has time, you know. I welcome the Speaker of the House of Representatives to Binghamton now on WNBM. See, I don't even need it written down. I would allow him to make a statement and to take three phone calls right here. News Radio, WNBF. WNBF Live, 11.37, with the most music in Chicago. I don't even know what that means, but certainly sounds good. If I was working in Chicago, but I'm working in Binghamton at a talk station. So, Vic from downtown Binghamton, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Bob. How are you today? Good. I'm auditioning for Super CFL. That'd be me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, listen, um... I got inv- invited to that uh, uh, big meeting today in downtown Binghamton with Molinero and the boys, but I didn't go. And I probably, if I if I chose to go, I would have paid the three grand for the um, table, the sponsorship table, and only if they allowed me to address the party. But they'll never do that because they know where I stand on the corruption of the party itself, and they don't want to hear it live and in person. Um, uh, it would be interesting to go to Davies and have a meeting. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt, but minus you because we are Republicans. But um, but I would so, be able to go because I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so they would let me in. So I, as, as someone who is affiliated with no party, as uh, strictly as an observer, I'd be a facilitator. No, you'd be there as a reporter, just you know, reporter on Martin. Oh yeah, Martin, or yeah, it'd be great. On, uh, the Speaker of the House's jaw when he dropped after I said what I had to say. I'd lo- actually, but, uh, I would love, love, love to see Mike Johnson at the um, Davies sign. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, look, there's there's Speaker Mike Johnson up in the forks with uh, at, at Davies, last chance. It's like right? what a, a picture worth a billion words. I would love it, but it ain't you know, happening. I, I could have probably arranged that, believe it or not. <laughs> you I, probably could have. I probably could have. But um, uh, it's just sad what the Republican Party has become in Broome County and, and in the country with their ineffectiveness and uh, non-aggression, in my opinion, toward many of the problems that are facing Americans today and the problems that are facing uh, your local. And one of those, Bob, and you know is near and dear in my heart, is fracking and the CO2 possibilities, which, by the way, is one part carbon, two parts water. And that's all it is, no chemicals involved. But people are trying to stop it. Now, I, I wrote Albany. I wrote the... Uh, Six members of the uh, Senate legislative team that's hearing the, the bill that just got sent up to them. I wrote to uh, Orbecker, who, by the way, got back to me twice. Senator Orbecker got back to me twice on the subject in the last two days. And uh, with very good response to my questions in my letter about the fraudulent fight for natural gas uh, 
presented by the Antis here in Broome County. And believe it or not, he was in agreement. Uh, or, or, or let me not say he was in agreement. He said, like you, I stand by the science, and I, I appreciate your letter very much. And he agrees with my science and the fact that there was so much false testimony at the uh, trials up in Montrose, Pennsylvania, when Cabot was being sued. And that uh, Mark Ruffalo's uh, uh, squad, uh, and I won't mention their name, but you know who they are. They're reg- they used to be regular callers in your show, testified in court that that brown jug of water was false never existed except for the uh, one day when the turbidity in the water wells was stirred up by the pounding on the ground because the ground was never fracked. It was never fracked in that. Right. Well, we don't need to relitigate that. Bottom line is, I think you join me and all of the people of the greater Binghamton area in welcoming Mike Johnson to our fair city. I would definitely love to have an in-depth conversation with him. As a matter of fact, I, I, I plan to. I plan to get to see him. Somehow. All right. Well, I'm going to – I'll go over and I'll ask politely if, if he'll uh, spend a few minutes. I'd like to do um, – I don't want to waste much of his time, just maybe a 30-minute interview because I have a few questions. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Vic. I don't think that's too much to ask from the House Speaker. 30-minute sit-down interview with a – Local talk show host. James from Binghamton, good morning. Yeah, no, that would be a good plan because at any point in time, he could only have about 30 minutes left as, as Speaker of the House. Uh, given the <laughs> I, I certainly am not going to point that out as in the first minute of our conversation. Maybe in minute 20, <laughs> 29, I would mention because I imagine as soon as, soon as I mention it, I think that's about the point where the interview comes to a crashing halt. Not. Ah. Yep, I got a call. Joe Biden's on line two. Got to go. Uh, I wanted to to push back a little bit on what. No, I appreciate John from Binghamton. You know, getting a getting a snippet from Mr. Riley, who I'm guessing at this point is kind of keen to the way Mr. Uh, Mr. John from Binghamton kind of operates. Uh, but. You know, yeah, it'd be great to hear him in your studio. I mean, I don't think I've heard him there before. Well, uh, you've but, never heard him here before because he's never been here. As I said, I mean, you, you know, know how how odd is it that Mark Molinero has been here probably six or eight times, and Josh Riley, who grew up in West Endicott, has never been here. I've never even met him. Yeah, I mean, hit the bricks, bro. I mean, they're just about to make your district a couple more points toward even. <laughs> But even it should have been a slant. It was a plus four, plus five Biden district when Molinaro won. You know, I mean, like, come on. Uh, but no, here's what I'm going to push back against. Now, to be fair, if I, I would, if I was to bump into Mr. Molinaro like on the street somewhere or in a meet and greet somewhere, I, I'd tell him exactly what I thought about him uh, throwing his support behind an election denying Christo fascist Russian asset that is Mike Johnson. But you know, there's times and places for that. And one of those would not be at the groundbreaking for an affordable housing for veterans situation. And so, like, I don't understand this whole uniparty thing that John from Binghamton is on about. If you want to talk about they, like, came up with some banking regulations that helped out whatever and they did it behind closed doors. Okay. Okay, fine. But, like, it's not the job of a politician or a representative of an area to, like, be there at things for that. Of course, uh, Donna and, 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 and Garner and Akshar, maybe not in uniform, but uh, Molinaro, they, you know, of course they're going to be at that because that's what you do. That's called that's called being a representative in, in your district. You know, I, I you know, it, it's it's the same mindset 
that caused the Republicans in Congress to completely scuttle the border bill, which objectively was an absolute gift to them. You couldn't have drawn that thing up more to their liking than than if it Trump and, and Stephen Miller himself. Well, no, they've got some more nefarious things now. But I mean, that 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 bill could have been right out of 2016 to 2019. And, and they scuttled it because of partisan politics, you know. Um, and so, like, that's no, that's it, of course, all the politicians should be at a groundbreaking for a thing. That's not you to party. That's called doing your job. And, you know, that's 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 my thoughts on that. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. WNBF. More calls, more often. Studio still open to the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson. There still is time for Speaker Johnson to come on, answer a few questions from me, and even answer a few calls from lucky listeners only on Binghamton Now at WNBF. WNBF bonus jingle time 10 minutes before the hour at WNBF. So much political excitement that uh, I don't think we can stand it. <laughs> well, I guess the political observers can't stand it. At any rate, uh, oh, I, I was pleased to see that uh, our good friend Vaughn Golden is here in Binghamton. He is uh, actually covering the Republican chat fest. So I guess he'll see if he gets a chance to talk with Mike Johnson. Clearly, clearly my opportunity has been squandered. But I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be other chances. It's 11.51. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? 
John from Bampton over to Bampton Plaza. Yeah, how are things going over there? Anything eminently domained? Not, not yet. Okay. What I'd like to have, maybe Rat Ryan, give me a call, give me some advice on what what I could do here, being a former mayor. But what I'm calling about is the, the, the fire that they had on Henry Street. I still have this mess over here on Pleasant Street that they were supposed to come board this building up, and, and the people are still getting in there. And every day I'm picking up garbage that they're drawing out of there. I mean, I, I want like to know when the city's going to come over and board this building up. Are you uh, a caretaker for the property, or why why are you involved in in the fire where the the man died several weeks ago? It, it borders our property, and, and they come over and they, you know they. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I uh, didn't occur to me. Well, I I know how close it is, but yeah, that's uh, I've been by there several times since the fire. And I will say this, after I mentioned it to Mayor Cram a few weeks ago, which was, I think, 10 or 11 days after the fire, I mentioned the place was totally unsecured. Somebody came over and put kind of a board in the doorway. It wasn't boarded up, but at least somebody did something. I don't know if you did that or if it was public works, but somebody did something with the main door. But the front door, the, all the windows are open, the back door is open. They got the metal all, they're drawing garbage out of there. Yeah, I I know. I've I've like I said, I've done follow up reports. I don't I don't understand if that type of thing happened on Riverside Drive. Say there was a deadly fire on Riverside Drive, city wouldn't let the the house where the fire happened languish for weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you got to do is come over with some plywood and plywood, you know, we really secure the plywood around around it. I mean, it's getting ridiculous now. Yeah, well, I, I hope they do something because, John, what I th- say about that site, even though it's been damaged by fire, it still is an attractive nuisance. And I'd be afraid either kids or people who need a place to stay are going to wander in there and either get hurt or possibly even set another fire. I, 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 believe, I believe they're staying in there again because I see footprints up to it when they had the snow on the ground there a couple of days ago. You know, I know they're dragging garbage out of there for sure. You know, pieces of wood and all the the metal that was laying against the building, old bed frames, all this stuff. I mean, you can see them where they drug it out and they leave part of it, they bust it apart over here. All right. Well, keep an eye on it. If anything changes, give me a call, okay? Yeah. Also, if you get Mayor Ryan to give me a call down here at the plaza, maybe all right. some advice. Wait, he's listening. There. I appreciate it. Okay. You know he's listening. Thank you. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My name is Jesse from Owego, and I really appreciate John from Binghamton. You you asked him what to do, and he came through with that. And I big time give him accolades. That's where the rubber meets the road, Bob. Yeah, no, it's nice to see someone who's acting. You know, to it it's, has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with people in the congressional district because they would love to hear the Democratic candidate with a studio interview. You know, it's so far, it's never happened. To me, it doesn't matter whether, uh, what party they belong in, but the biggest thing that John does, and to this day, I love this, he is holding them accountable, and he's going out of his way to do that. Well, and you know, I'm not telling tales out of school here, the road to the house runs right through the Binghamton Now studio. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm loving this because it's getting better. Well, I mean, think about it. Studio was okay for Claudia Tenney, Richard Hanna, 
Maurice Henschey. I mean, everybody loved the studio. Republicans, Democrats, independents. What's not to love? I agree. Hey, by the way, talking about transparency, when's the last time you heard from anyone from OEGO? Good point. I'm going to have to invite the mayor on. Thank you for the reminder. And that is all the time we have. We are out of time. Sorry, kids, the contest is over. And the answer is none of our three contestants bothered to show up. I'm Bob Joseph, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town